What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Adult Rec League Podcast. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. I'm Rick Sutton. What's going on, guys? All right. For this episode, we're going to be previewing tomorrow night's UFC card. Of course, UFC 252. It goes down at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, um, headlined by Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic, fighting for the third time for the UFC heavyweight title to determine who not only is the UFC heavyweight champion, but who goes down as the GOAT in the heavyweight division, of course, for the third time. And then the co-main event, Sean O'Malley, Sugar Show, the probably the fastest rising star in the UFC, taking on Marlon Barra, his toughest challenge to date. But, of course, Ricky, that's not all we got. We're going to run through the card. So we're going to yeah. – let's, let's preview it and – Hopefully, we can uh, give a little insight to people that might not know too much about the UFC, what they need to know and who they need to watch. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll kind of jog through the prelims. Uh, fly, uh, the card's going to start 7 o'clock tomorrow, the early prelims. Kai Kamaka, Tony Kelly, uh, Parker Porter, and Chris DeCau, or DeCoss. Um That's a featherweight feather feather and heavyweight fight there. Yeah. Um, and, Rick, that um, – that Chris DeCoste guy is making his pro uh, – I mean, I'm sorry, his UFC debut. Okay. And he is uh, – they have him ranked as the number one heavyweight in the state of Pennsylvania. So he must be like a local guy that fights all around the state of Pennsylvania. He's 8-3. and three. Nice. Pro, His pro, pro – yeah, pro record is 8-3, and three, the number one ranked heavyweight in, in Pennsylvania. So, of course, we get to see him for the first time on a national stage. Yeah, that should be good. Uh, that that division can always use some more depth. Yeah, absolutely, especially with possibly the two best guys in the heavyweight division retiring after tomorrow night. You never know. Yeah, that's true. Um, we got the prelims, the regular prelims, uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, we got Ashley Yoder, Livia Renata Souza, Danny Chavez and TJ Brown, Felice Herrig and Verna Jandaroba. Uh, Vince Pichel and Jim Miller, do a long-time UFC vet Jim Miller. Yeah, Jim Miller, actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is the longest active UFC fighter. I think he's, I think, or maybe not longest active, but he's had the most fights in the UFC. He actually just fought back in June, submitted Roosevelt Roberts in his last fight. So, you know, old man Jim Miller still kicking. This is his 47th professional fight fight the young mm-hmm. guy in Vince Pichel and uh, hopefully Jim Miller can make it two wins in a row yeah that's I mean that's crazy to even think about um, I mean the most you said he has the most bouts I think he has the most fights in UFC history that's crazy I thought Donald Cerrone had that I think it's well I know Donald Cerrone has the most wins and the most finishes that, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's between him or Jim Miller for the most fights in UFC history. That is so crazy. We'll definitely, um, definitely well, come back. We'll definitely come back. To, actually, I got it pulled up right now. Um, yeah, Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone are tied with 35 UFC bouts. So 35 out of Jim Miller's 46 fights are in the UFC, and tomorrow night he will break Donald Cerrone 
he will break the tie between Donald, him and Donald Cerrone tomorrow night with his 47th professional fight, 36 inside the octagon. However, Ricky Cerrone just signed a fight. Just just announced today, Donald Cerrone's taking on an up and coming well, uh, what is it, welterweight in Nico Price or is it lightweight? Uh, not mistaken. I think Nico Price fights at welterweight. Yeah. So Donald Cerrone is actually going to tie Jim Miller again here soon with his uh, 36 professional UFC fight taking on a young up and comer in Nico Price. So, yeah, great. real, real lengthy guy, Nico Price is real solid, uh, six foot. 170 pounds, 76 inches of reach, 30 years of age, uh, fighting in the welterweight division. Yeah. Yeah. Nico Price has actually had some pretty phenomenal knockouts. He had an up kick against James Vick yep. earlier in his career. And he also had, uh, he was actually on his back. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Randy Brown. And Randy Brown kind of had him in like a heel hook, standing heel hook position. And Nico Price just hammer fisted him and knocked him out while he was on his back. So Nico Price, so Nico Price definitely has some uh, significant wins and some crazy knockouts on his record. So th- that's going to be a tough fight for Donald Cerrone, but I'm looking forward to it. Always look forward to a Donald Cerrone fight. Oh yeah, we actually we actually watched Nico Price fight uh, when UFC came to Charlotte that time. Yep, yep, he was. I, th- I believe I believe he was on the main card, was he not? I think he won by unanimous decision. Uh, I think so. He he won a submission. He had a rear naked choke. I'm not sure what. I think he was on the main card. I'm pretty sure he was on the main card. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that was a good that was a good fight card. And uh, actually, a guy that we're getting ready to talk about here on the main card fought in Raleigh this past January. So if you want yeah. if you want to go ahead and jump up to this pretty stacked main card, to be honest. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. First fight in the main card is John Dotson and Marab Valashvili. Um, should be uh, John Dotson obviously fought for the title twice. He fought Mighty Mouse twice. It's been a while, but he did fight him. So he's 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 been in there with some real top tier talent. Yeah, and that was actually in flyweight. This is a, this is a bantamweight fight. So John yeah. John Dotson has moved up to in, uh, for bantamweight, and you know he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's had he's had some really good sig- signature wins in his career. Actually. On the Ultimate Fighter finale, he knocked out former two-time bantamweight champion T.J. Dillashaw. Yep. He's he's knocked out Juicier Formega. He's beat uh, he's he's beat John Moraga. He's beaten Manny Gamburian. He he he's beaten Eddie Wineland. And I mean, you know, he's he's just fought a lot of top-tier talent. His last loss was against Petra Jan the current Bantamweight champion. So I know John Dodson would like to have that one back. Yes. But, uh, you know, a big win here against Marab Valesvili. You're right. I mean, he, he well, he, you know, you mentioned it earlier with him beating TJ Dillashaw. He actually, you know, they, they, he won that season at Bantamweight. Yeah, so John Dodson has a lot of experience at Bantamweight. And a yep. big win here would definitely propel him hopefully into the top 15 to get him a bigger fight. This uh, yeah. the guy he's fighting does have a two inch reach advantage. He's about three inches taller and he's about, and he's, and he's younger. John Dotson's getting up there in age. He's 35 years old, but yep. I think experience maybe comes into play here. And I, I, I'm going to pick John Dotson to get the win here. 
Yeah, I think he probably will too. Um, just that there's a lot of experience there. I mean, he's fought some real top tier guys. I mean, you know, Pedro Munoz, he's fought Jamie Rivera. He's fought, you know, Marlon Marias. He fought Eddie Wineland. He's fought, went the distance with Mighty Mouse twice. He fought John Lineker, Manny Gambarian. I mean, there's all, I mean, he's been fighting in the UFC since 2011. He's had, had a lot of experience. And I mean, you know, Rick, one of those fights, John Dotson actually had Mighty Mouse hurt. And yeah, that it was, was the first one. The first one he it. had threw, I think, like a looping right hand and actually dropped Mighty Mouse momentarily. And that was in, like, the prime of Mighty Mouse's title run. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, for the longest time, that was the most danger that Mighty Mouse ever was in. Absolutely. So I think just the experience factor and, like, who he's been in the ring, who he's been in the octagon with, I think John Dodson gets the win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's jump next to the next fight in the card. Uh, we got Herbert Burns, Gilbert Burns' uh, brother, fighting Daniel Pineda. Um, Herbert Burns did miss weight, I think, what was it three and a half pounds? Yeah, he almost weighed in at a buck fifty. I mean, this is a featherweight fight, and he almost weighed in at 150 pounds. So, uh, I, mean, I, I think that this Daniel Pineda has got a lot of experience. Um, obviously Herbert Burns being the brother, brother of Gilbert Burns, you know, you know, he's training with top tier talent. I mean, if it didn't, if the, if it couldn't add to the fact that Herbert Burns has a four and a half inch reach advantage of this fight, you got Burns weighing in three and a half pounds over the weight limit too now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Herbert Burns, I, I, I got him getting the win. I think Herbert Burns is a more well-rounded fighter. Daniel Pineda, although this is his 42nd professional fight, he hasn't fought in the UFC since 2014. This is his first fight in the UFC in six years. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, in his first stint, he fought Mike Brown. He fought Diego Brandao. So, I mean, he's fought some uh, good names. But Herbert Burns, is he's younger. He's bigger. I think he's more well-rounded. And I think uh, I think he gets the win. I really think the Burns brothers they might they might be taking over the UFC soon. I think Gilbert Burns is going to be our next UFC welterweight champion. He's a big matchup problem for Kamara Usman, and Herbert Burns is is a very good fighter. We saw him at UFC Raleigh with a flying knee knockout. Yep. And uh, you know, so I, I think Herbert Burns gets the win here. I think he's more well rounded. He actually submitted Evan Dunham back in June. Well, that's, a be, tough, that's a tough fight out. Yeah, Evan Dunham is, is no is no slouch. And this is Herbert Burns' third fight in 2020. Yeah. This is Daniel Pineda's first fight in the UFC in six years. So I'm going to take Herbert Burns to beat Daniel Pineda. And I, I'm going to say I think maybe he gets him in, in a submission. Okay. Next fight on the card is a heavyweight matchup. Uh, I know I've went back and forth on who's who's going to be the winner here. Uh, Junior Dos Santos and Jarzinho Rosenstreich. Um, obviously, Jarzinho was 10-0 in the UFC, all by vicious knockouts. And uh, then he ran into Francis Ngannou. Um, Dos Santos, obviously, we know Dos Santos is former heavyweight champion. Been on the top of this game for a very long time. Um, well, notice they got both guys listed at six, three, that's fake news. Uh, if you watch them square off today, you know that they're not the same height. Dos Santos is taller. Um, 
They do have Jarzinho with a one-inch reach advantage. And he's yeah, four years four years younger than JDS. I don't understand that. I mean, they had Rose, They said Rosenstrike and Francis Ngannou were the same height, too. Yeah. And when Francis Ngannou and him faced off, Francis Ngannou was a solid three, four inches taller than him. Yeah, it wasn't even close. So, so I don't know what their – I don't know what their uh, – system is for measuring the height of some of these fighters but there's Jarzinho Rosenstrike is probably six feet tall I mean me me and you are probably almost as tall as that guy yeah so uh, but you know Rick the main thing that I have the main issue that I have with this fight which is why I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Junior Dos Santos is because I don't know what which Jarzinho Rosenstrike we're gonna get are we gonna get the Rosenstrike that fought Alistair Overeem that, you know, got beat pretty good in the first four rounds. And then in the fifth round, just threw it all out there, ended up catching Overeem in the final 10 seconds of the fight with a big looping uh, hook. Or are we going to see a guy that just got knocked out and is scared to get knocked out and he's going to fight a real conservative fight? So, I think the main thing is, which Jarzinho Rosenstrike are we going to see? And I think Junior Dos Santos' experience I think his boxing, I think his ground game is better. I, I I just think I think Junior Dos Santos gets back in the win column here. But like you said, it's back and forth. I mean, you know, tomorrow I might change my pick to Jarzinho Rosenstrike. <laughs> yeah, Dos Santos, man. Uh, you know, I sent you a picture the other day. Dos Santos is looking shredded ahead He's of this fight. Huge, bro. Shredded. So we'll see, man. It's he might be might be light on his feet. Might be going all day, throwing a lot of light volume kicks and trying to keep Jarzinho off of his game. Yeah. Um, real quick, Rick, before we uh, go on to the co-main event, do you think that Jarzinho Rosenstrike was pushed too fast? And the I... reason I and the reason I say that is because you know, a year and a half ago, we didn't even know who this guy was. Yeah, I mean, if you and... look, yeah, I mean, if you look at his kind of. I mean, his rise was just pretty, pretty through the through the moon. I mean, you know, he had his first had his first fight in the UFC in February of 2019. Yeah, I mean, see, like a year and a half ago, we didn't even know who this guy was. I mean, second round knockout that night. You know, then he fought. That was February. Then he fought in June of last year, knocked out uh, Alan Crowder in nine seconds. You know, then he came out uh, in that November. So three fight, um, actually four fights in November. I'm sorry, or four fights in 2019. He came out in November, knocked out Andre Arlovsky in 29 seconds. Then December turned around a month later, went five rounds with Alistair Overeem, knocked him out with four seconds remaining in the fight. A lot of people thought he was down in the scorecards. Then obviously, you know, this uh, this past May, he ran into Francis Ngannou. That was a 20-second knockout loss. Um, and then he's going to be fighting Dos Santos. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who this is going to be his sixth fight in a year and a half. Yeah, and I mean, you know, aside from his first two fights in the UFC, he's fought a former heavyweight champion, Andre Arlovsky. He's fought a former strike force pride champion, and a heavyweight uh, UFC heavyweight title contender, Alistair Overeem. He's fought heavyweight title contender and probably 
if I if I had to put money on it, probably future heavyweight champion and Francis Ngannou, and now he's getting ready to fight former heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos. So, I mean, and, and you know, like I, the only reason why I asked that question is because, you know, he his first three fights in the UFC, okay, he 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 beats Junior Albini, he beats Alan Crowder, he beats Andre Arlovsky. None of them guys are going to be heavyweight champion, but. Then he fights Alistair Overeem. He's getting he's getting his he's getting his butt whooped pretty good for the entire fight, and then catches a big looping hook that we talked about. Yeah, but I mean, I think he, it was it was really it, not. I mean, not only that, like you know, yeah, is Arlovsky going to be the heavyweight champion? No, but he is a top level fighter who has been in the cage with a lot of top level fighters. I mean, yeah. if you talk about the the who's who of the heavyweight division. Arlovsky has fought most of them. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right, and like I said, I'm and, and you know I'm not trying to act like any of these guys are bums. All I'm saying is, is you know after that Arlovsky fight, I mean they really just said, you know what, this guy, he we're gonna push him. Yeah, and you I know? think it it was mostly due to the. I mean, if you look at his fight with Alan Crowder and Andre Arlovsky, you know those those two fights lasted 38 seconds combined. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and when. You know, I've heard Matt Reynolds say it. When you knock somebody out that spectacular, like like a, like a spectacular knockout like that in the UFC, you you immediately get pushed and you immediately get noticed, and your name goes through the roof yeah. when you do something like that. So, I I think though, when he knocked out Alistair Overeem with four seconds left, I mean it was literally four seconds left in the entire fight. That's it. Four seconds left in the entire fight. When he knocked him out, I think that's when they thought, man, this guy is a killer. But then you put him in there with maybe the scariest man in the UFC. I mean, he's, you know, there's, he's definitely, that's Francis Ngannou is the epitome of on the edge of your seat fighter. I mean, when you turn the television on, you buy the pay-per-view and Francis Ngannou's fighting, you're sitting on the edge of your seat, perked up, hands on your knees, uh, waiting to see what happens from the opening bell and most times it don't it don't last long for his opponent yeah absolutely francis Ngannou is the definition of like a don't blink type of fight yeah like like don't blink don't turn your head because you might miss you might miss the entire fight the whole thing and you know that's the crazy thing is i remember when they when Ngannou fought rosenstrike that was literally the like the they showed the whole fight as the replay that was it (laughs) Yeah, the whole fight was the replay. Yeah, it's like my let you go. They just put it on live, and you heard the point. You know the, uh, you know the ref say, "Hey, let's get it on," and you got to watch the whole fight back real quick. Yeah, three, on t- a re- three, on three a, times on a before Rogan got in there and interviewed him. Exactly. But uh, Rick, who did you? I, I don't think I heard your prediction on this fight. Who do you have winning this fight? Man, uh, I honestly think that Dos Santos is gonna is going to dance around, is going to kick the legs of Jarzinho, uh, paw the jab out there, and try to stay away from those power shots. I mean, I think three rounds, you know, this is not a main event. One of the things that helped Jarzinho Rosenstrike in that fight with Overeem was the fact that it was five rounds. It was a main event. You yeah, know, abs- so, so we absolutely. Caught- so he caught Rosen or he caught uh, Overeem in that, you know, that fifth and final round. Um, 
you know, he doesn't have that liberty here. He's got three rounds to feel his opponent out in the top level opponent in Junior Dos Santos, and he's got to figure out how to lay gloves on his chin because otherwise I think, you know, skill for skill wise, Dos Santos is going to try to outpoint him and out technique him. Uh, I feel like Dos Santos is going to get, I feel like he's going to get a unanimous decision if I had to put money on it. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you because, I mean, and, and you know, the same thing that I said about Jorginho Rosenstrike could be said, you could say the same thing about Junior Dos Santos. He's coming off of two knockout losses. His his last loss was, was you know, the main event at Raleigh that we went to. Curtis Blades knocked him out in the second round. And his last fight, Francis Ngannou knocked him out in a minute. So maybe yeah. Junior Dos Santos wants to get back in the win column. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Yeah, absolutely. He's, you know, since, I mean, since 20, let's see. I don't think that he is, he hasn't won back-to-back fights since UFC 146. And UFC 160. Yeah. I mean, which was in 2012. I mean, yep. his win, you know, 2014, he, he gets a decision win over Stipe. Then he gets TKO'd, knocked out Alistair, by Alistair Overeem. You know, he comes out and... Oh, I'm sorry. He did have back-to-back wins. He had a decision win over Blagoy Ivanov. And uh, KO uh, Tai Tuivasa, and that was in 2018. But since then, like you said, uh, you know he beat Derek Lewis, got uh, finished by Francis Ngannou, got finished by Curtis Blades earlier this year. So it's just been kind of real up and down for Dos Santos. Yeah, I mean, ever since he lost his title fight to Steve Miocic, where he got knocked out, it's just been that was back in 2017 at UFC 211. It's really just been kind of a roller coaster ride for Junior Dos Santos. I mean, he's three and two in his last five fights. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. He's getting ready to fight Rosenstrike. I mean, obviously, Junior Dos Santos, and, until he retires, he's probably always going to have a number by his name. Yeah. But, you know, I think if he loses this fight, I think, you know, that we might be seeing the end of Junior Dos Santos. Very possible. Very yeah. possible. Um, let's let's move to this co-main event. We got Sugar Sean O'Malley, twelve and zero, against Marlon Vera. Uh, obviously, you know we've talked before. Sean O'Malley, the hype, the UFC hype train is really behind behind this guy. Oh, absolutely, he is. But um, I, I would say he's probably the fastest rising star in the UFC right he, now. Yeah, yeah, he. Um, you know, he came from Dana White's Contender Series. You know, he's got the crazy hair. He's got the tattoos. He's kind of a, he's a real skinny kid. Yep. But don't let that don't let that fool you. This guy is a uh, is a very good striker. He's he's like a he's kind of like a Stephen Thompson. He's a karate fighter, and he, you know he's a great striker. He's slick on the feet, man. Very slick. I don't think he's been in a single fight where he wasn't the best striker. Like he was, no. yeah. Like he hasn't been in a single fight where he wasn't the better striker. He's got and, a fun style, man. I mean, it's just hands low. He's using head movement and footwork to get away from his opponent's shots, and 
that right hand that he throws is just so no tell, just real seamless, and he knocks people out with it. Yeah, absolutely fun. He's so fun to watch. But I will say, uh, and, you know, I I do think Sean O'Malley ends up getting the win, but this by far is his toughest challenge. He's facing Marlon Barra, who's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's, you know, he's got 22 fights on it. He's got 22 pro fights. He's got 15 wins. Eight of them are by submission, five by knockout. So he's 13 of his 15 wins have been finishes. And he's he's got six losses, and all of them are decisions. So he's never been submitted or knocked out. He's never been finished in his pro career. So yeah, uh, very tough guy in Marlon Barra. He fought in the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. And uh, I think this, like I said, this will definitely be Sean O'Malley's biggest test. But I do think Sean O'Malley ends up getting the victory. Yeah, I agree. And then let's let's get right to it. The highlight, the uh, the headliner, the highlight. This is the trilogy fight between Stepe Miocic, defending champion Stepe Miocic, and former heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Yep, possibly, possibly both of their last fights. I believe definitely Daniel Cormier's last fight. Yeah, I think so too. Possibly both of their last fights, but yeah, possibly, possibly both. I I think definitely. There's been some speculation on Cormier. I think if you listen to him at the press conference, uh, I think Cormier told you all you need to know about where he's going to be after this. Yeah, um, I think, I think, uh, I think he's done. Um, Unless, unless a a huge money fight came available, I think Daniel Cormier is probably done. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just don't know what, what, what money fight could it be. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think the only money fight you can make uh, is – but I don't know if people would buy it uh, – is the John Jones trilogy fight at heavyweight. Yeah, and I just – I don't know how much interest is there for that. I mean yeah, – I mean, you know, Jones dominated him in the first fight. He head kicked him in the second fight. I, you know, I guess maybe the only selling point would be John Jones' first fight at heavyweight. And just, I mean, it, here's the thing, man. We've seen a lot of back and forth. You know, if if Jones were to say, "Hey, I want to fight Cormier at heavyweight or Stipe at heavyweight or whoever," you know, where's the UFC at on that? I mean, John did just like pseudo retire earlier this year because he didn't get his fight with Ngannou and his money. You know, yeah. it, it is. If he tries to pull that move and say, hey, I'm going to go fight a heavyweight, does UFC pull that light heavyweight belt from him? Well, I thought he dropped the, the light heavyweight belt. I thought he uh, vacated it. But... I, don't think, I don't think that they've officially vacated the belt from him yet. Yeah, that might all just be a ruse just to try to get more money out of him. But, um, and you know, and, like Daniel Cormier is 41 years old. I mean, and he's a phenomenal commentator. And he phenomenal. has his... And he has his uh, radio show with uh, Ariel Hawani. He does detail on ESPN for, uh, like, you know, how Kobe used to do detail on certain NBA players. Yep. Daniel Cormier does it for MMA fighters. And, yep. you know, uh, Daniel Cormier's just got a lot going for him. I think eventually you might see him as the head coach at AKA. Possibly. Possibly, take, possibly taking Javier Mendez's job. Maybe. And, uh, you know, and, and but also Stepe Miocic is no spring chicken either. He's thirty-seven years old. Yeah, and I mean, does does Stepe want to keep fighting? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think either of these guys really want to keep fighting. Honestly, 
I don't think these guys love to fight. I don't know. I just don't. I just, you know, I had a conversation with somebody earlier today, actually. And I just, I, you know, I don't. Stipe said that he thinks about, he said during the press conference, he thinks about retiring every time he fights. So, you know, he, he tells you that he, he, he puts it in, he puts it in perspective. He talks about it or he thinks about it. Might talk about it with his wife. We don't know. But the thing is, you know, and he says he's having fun right now. But if Stipe, if Stipe wins, what what's next? What do you do next? You're getting, what do you get excited for? You're getting ready to fight Francis Ngannou again. I mean, no matter how this fight ends up this weekend, if Stipe keeps fighting, he's going to be across the octagon from Francis Ngannou next. You know, whether Cormier wins, they'll be fighting for the – Stipe and Ngannou will be fighting for the vacant belt, or if Stipe wins, he'll be defending his belt against Ngannou. Dana White's already said that Ngannou's next. I don't really see how you can leapfrog somebody ahead of him. Um and Stipe's already beat Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, the main question for these two is, like you said, what's next? I yeah, mean, what, I mean, I just, what I don't Daniel see what comes after this. This is, you know, they both said it. This is the biggest fight of both of their careers. It's the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history. It is. No question. I mean... I mean, it might not do as many pay-per-view buys as some of the fights that, like, Brock Lesnar did. Oh, hell no. It, it, it definitely won't do as many fights. It, it won't do as many buys as a Brock Lesnar fight. No way. But, but it's still it's still the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history because not only, not only are we determining who the UFC heavyweight champion is, but we're also probably determining who the best heavyweight in UFC history is or maybe MMA history. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, one of the craziest stats about this fight is this reach dis- this reach discrepancy. Oh, um, yeah. Cormier with a 72-and-a-half-inch reach, at, you know, at 5'9". Stipe, 6'3", 80 inches of reach. But they've split at 1-1. And, you know, I thought Cormier was outstriking Stipe in the second fight until he got clipped. You know, uh, Rick, when you were over at my house last weekend – I. I remember I asked you, I was like, man, how in the world can Daniel Cormier close the distance like he does? It's, it's, it's crazy because I'm pretty sure every single fight that he's, that he's ever been in, he's probably been in a reach disadvantage. Oh, every one of them. I mean, I mean, I don't think there was a single fight he took at light heavyweight or heavyweight where he had a reach advantage. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty positive. Every single fight, especially at heavyweight, every single fight at heavyweight, he definitely had a uh, a reach disadvantage. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe when he fought Dan Henderson, he had a reach advantage. Actually, Rick, I just pulled it up. I literally was just typing that as we were talking. Dan Henderson has a seventy-four inch reach. So what about even, Patrick Cummings? So even Dan Henderson had a reach advantage on him. What about uh, Patrick Cummings? Um, I'm, I'm not real. I mean, I'm not real sure, but I mean, Patrick Cummins with a 76 inch reach. So, I mean, you know, and the craziest part is, uh, John Jones had a 12 and a half inch reach on this guy. Yeah. 11 and a half, 12 inches of reach on this guy. I mean, my whole thing is how in the world is this guy 
able to close the distance and knock people out the way he does. You know, or or he's got he's got a real slick. He's got a real slick science. Or a real slick, you know, real slick style. I mean, he's kind of sometimes it looks like he's losing, but he just kind of hangs in that pocket with his hands out and just throws punches. Yeah, like what he'll do is like I've seen it. He'll grab your hands, or like like you know, you'll have your hands up, and he'll grab your hand. Like he'll pull his arms out, grab your hands, and then throw like a quick jab or throw a quick cross. Yeah, or a quick hook, and and I think what he does that for is to like set up takedowns too, because you know obviously Daniel Cormier is probably the best wrestler in the UFC. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, is there anybody that could even compare to him? I mean, maybe his training partner Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, maybe maybe Habib, but like. Uh, maybe decorated, definitely Daniel Cormier. Now that Cejudo's retired, but I mean that 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 sets up takedowns because everybody knows Daniel Cormier can pretty much take down anybody he wants to. And yeah, and he's already said he uh, he has come out and said that it's at the UFC Apex, this which is a smaller cage than what they normally fight at, the twenty five yep. foot cage, and he has said that this is going to be a twenty five minute wrestling contest. Which I just want to let I just want to let you know that Roy Nelson had a seventy-two inch reach. Yep, he had a half inch reach advantage on Roy Nelson. I just looked it up too. That might I, be that might be it though. I think that might be the only fight he's ever had where he's had a reach advantage. Where he's at because he was way down against Gustafson, Anthony Johnson. What's his reach looking like? I think I think Anthony Johnson's reach is like 77, 76. I looked up. I looked up Frank Mears. Frank Mears. 78 inches for Anthony Johnson. Frank Mears was at a 79. So, I mean, every single fight that that uh, Daniel Cormier has had, aside from the Roy Nelson fight, he's had a di- reach, reach disadvantage, and he's only lost twice. Yeah. I mean, he's lost three times, but the Jones knockout was overturned to a no contest. But Crazy, man. He's only lost twice. In, in in his pro career, and the guy's been at a re, at, at a disadvantage every single fight. Yeah, every, every single fight. That's wild, man. Um, so we'll just get right to it, though. What's what's your prediction, dude? Honestly, I think Daniel Cormier beats him. I think that I think Daniel Cormier regains the heavyweight title and retires on top. How how do you think he wins? I think he wins by unanimous decision. I think, uh, first of all, I think he does. I think he will wrestle more. I do too. And I think he will try to get Stipe tired. Yeah. I also think that Stipe, the one reason why Stipe had a lot of success in that last fight was the body shots that he started hitting Cormier with in the fourth round. Yeah. He really started laying in big left hooks to the body. And that's what really stunned Cormier. And then, of course, he was able to mix up with a one-two to the head and, and you know, get him get him on the ground and finish him. But I don't think Stipe hits him with them body shots this time. I think Daniel Cormier finds a way to adjust 
And I think Daniel Cormier, I, I, I still think Cormier is a more well-rounded fighter. And yeah, me too. I think Daniel Cormier ends up getting the win by unanimous decision. It's going to be a hell of a fight, and I can't wait to watch it. Because, I mean, the first two fights, obviously the second one was better than the first one because it lasted longer. But both fights have been very entertaining, and this one's going to be no different. But if I had to put my house on it, I'm putting I'm putting money on Daniel Cormier to win by unanimous decision and retire on top. Yeah, man, I kind of um, – I, I pretty much agree. Um, I think there is still a chance that Cormier clips him on the chin. Um, obviously, Stipe's in great shape, as you've seen from the weigh-ins today for this fight. Um, but I think that Cormier utilizes that wrestling, that dirty boxing a little bit more, keeps Stipe pressed against the cage and, and kind of grinds him out, maybe tires him out, and then maybe we see a, a third or fourth round finish for Cormier. Yeah, because I think Cormier comes out. I think I think Cormier is going to come out and start wrestling immediately. I wouldn't be surprised if in the first in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if Cormier took him down and just held him there for five minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And uh, you know, maybe just to, maybe just to, or who knows? Maybe he just takes Stipe down in the first thirty seconds of the fight. And you know they get back up to their feet and they and they brawl the rest of the time. But maybe he maybe he takes Stipe down just to let you know, hey man, I can take you down and I will take you down at any point in this fight. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, you know, we'll I mean we'll definitely see what happens. One and one, third fight, the maybe maybe probably the biggest trilogy fight in in UFC history. Yeah, and. Uh, of course, until Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor fight again. But um, the biggest trilogy fight in UFC history, the biggest heavyweight title fight in UFC history, goes down tomorrow night, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, only on ESPN Plus pay-per-view at the UFC Apex. Daniel Cormier yeah. challenges Stipe Miocic for the UFC heavyweight title for the third time. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yep, it's going to be great, man. So, um, well, that's our preview for UFC 252. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Hopefully everybody can catch the fights tomorrow. Sean O'Malley and the co-main event against Marlon Vera. And, of course, like I said, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, fight number three for the UFC heavyweight title, the biggest UFC heavyweight title fight in history. And we will figure out who the GOAT is in the in the heavyweight division. Yeah, man, and we'll but guys, we'll probably get back sometime earlier earlier next week, um, and and get uh get a review of how these fights shake out. Yeah, we will not only, and this is probably what we're going to be doing for every UFC uh, pay per view event. We are going to be previewing it probably the night before, or a couple nights before, and then we will recap it a couple of days afterwards. And uh, talk about the results, and talk about the winners, and talk about what we go, what we do from here. So, uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, previewing UFC 252. This is the Adult Rec League podcast. I'm your co-host D Jones. I'm Rick Sutton, guys. We appreciate you for listening. Yep. Take it easy, fellas.